Are you ready to up-level your performance, become a better sales coach, and grow revenue? Are you ready to be ready? Then ready, set, sell. I'm Hannah, a B2B sales enthusiast and sales consultant, advocating for sales to be a little more human. And I'm Tony from MindTickle, where I'm a sales leader and coach. And you're listening to Ready, Set, Sell, a podcast dedicated to helping revenue and sales professionals like you adopt a sales readiness approach to ensure your team is always ready to win. In each episode, we share smart insights, tangible advice, and actionable tips that can be applied directly to the work you do every day to drive organizational growth. Let's dive into the episode. It's often been said that if you're not growing, you're dying. Successful people around the world have been living by this maxim for decades, and today's guest is no exception. Jeffrey D. Hatchell is the Vice President of U.S. Sales Enablement and Global Leadership at American Express. Currently, he's leading a sales enablement organization to equip salespeople and their leaders with the skills they need to become more effective with customers and prospects. Jeffrey is also the author of a book on inspirational leadership called The Inspired Career. With all this and more on his plate, it's no wonder that he's a big fan of all things personal growth, self-development and leadership. Jeffrey is constantly looking for new ways to grow and stretch himself beyond his comfort zone and his commitment to improving his skills as a leader is truly inspiring. In this episode, which I'm hosting solo, I had a great time sitting down with Jeffrey to chat about his perspective on what goes into a great leader, how to level up your coaching skills, and much more. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the Ready, Set, Sell podcast. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thanks, Hannah. How about you? I'm not too bad. It's like getting into the early evening here in the UK. The sun's going down, but it's not cold. So you won't hear me complaining about the weather at all today, which is good. Well, I I don't know if you were told beforehand, but this is basically an executive coaching session for me. And we're just going to let the world hear it. That's pretty much what today is. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I'd steal a free one, a freebie today. What we want to do is invite you to to share a brief overview of your career and your background so far, and then maybe share some details on your current role at American Express. My background is working in sales and sales leadership roles. I I started out uh, deciding I wanted to go into sales even as a college student, and I ended up interning with a number of different companies such as IBM, Bristol-Myers, and Pitney Bowes. And when I got out, I went to work for an industrial sales company, and I I worked there for a few years and you know learned some of the foundational things in terms of selling. I had sales territories where I would drive in my car uh, throughout the state of Ohio initially. Then I relocated to South Florida, um, got my MBA, and then I ended up going back to Ohio. So I worked in sales with a number of organizations doing uh, different things where I had great success, ended up making President's Club, was ranked in uh, is number two. And you know what they do with salespeople when you do really well? They promote you. <laughs> and that's what happened to me. Became a sales leader and had the opportunity of leading sales teams. And from there, I decided I wanted to get into the training side of it. And I left corporate and started my own training and leadership development company, um, which was awesome. As a result of that, I ended up writing a book. And it was good until the economy turned. When the economy turned, decided I need to get back in 
to corporate. That's when I went to American Express, the end of 2009, beginning of 2010. And I was in sales leadership roles that ultimately led me from being in sales and doing sales development to saying, I want to now get into more of a training function. And I transitioned to what we call our sales global sales enablement organization, where I had an opportunity of leading what we call our leadership center of excellence, did really well with that, and got promoted to lead all of our U.S. uh, global sales, as well as what we call our go-to-market and our centers of excellence teams. And that's what leads me to what I'm doing today, leading our sales enablement team, primarily in the U.S. with some global uh, responsibilities. And that's, that must be a very large team that you're, that you're impacting from a field sales perspective. Yeah, it's, um, in terms of the sales organization, it's several thousands of people on a global basis. Our enablement organization is just over 100, about 110 people that you know, support all of it. And we are kind of divided out based on you know, uh, regions and different areas. But it is definitely a, relatively speaking, we don't feel like it's that large of an organization. But as I get to meet other sales enablement organizations, I found out, yeah, it's pretty um, of a decent size sales enablement organization. You said something about when you do well, you get promoted. So tell me, like, what keeps you motivated in that sort of coaching and leadership and like sales effectiveness space? Sure. So what, what keeps me motivated is that I am a big person focused on development. I'm always around leadership development and what can I do to grow and stretch myself. So I'm I'm big in terms of reading. So I I spend a lot of time uh, reading leadership development books, coaching books. I'm always looking at what else can I do to develop myself and enhance my skills. So recently I obtained my PCC certification, professional coaching certification through the ICF, which is the International coaching federation. So that was always in the works. I'm constantly listening um, to different podcasts, to different um, things on YouTube, LinkedIn learning. And so constantly and, and having what I discovered that really works is being consistent with a growth plan helps to stay motivated because it helps me to keep um, goals on the forefront. I'm a big believer in having vision boards, writing out my goals and setting new goals when I accomplish them to be able to say, what's next? What else can I do? Those are the things that help keep me motivated because I'm always focused on what's next and what am I going to do to grow? It sounds like it's more of an always on thing because if if your constant mindset is, what else can I do? Then by default, it's going to be like constant investment. No, I, I love that. But I, I wanted to shift gears slightly because you've, you know, you've got your coaching certification and you're, you're here trying to support and coach others. But in your own career, who are some of the coaches you've worked with and who's who's really made an impact or an impression on you? Um, I'd love to find out a bit more about like them and their character. Sure. So most of my leaders, I feel like I've been very fortunate to have had some awesome leaders in my career and throughout my career. And I'll even go back to um, when I wasn't doing as well um, in the corporate environment. I had a leader who had a what I would call a hard conversation. And he had a hard conversation, which helped to push me and help me to think about how I was showing up at that season in my career because I wasn't giving my best. I wasn't doing my best. And that made a difference for me because 
we had a great relationship. We did things outside of the office. I've been to his house. I um, met his family. We've done a, a number of, we've been skiing, golfing, you know. So we had a great relationship. And because of that, we had a great trust. So he was able to have the tough conversations with me, the direct feedback that really helped me to think about some of the things that I was doing in the transition. And at that particular time, I ended up transitioning out because of that feedback. But that was very enlightening for me. So that's one example. Then I have not only within you know, the organization where I work, but I have what I call other mentors. In some cases, they're people that I've never met before, but uh, they mentor me through their books, through their podcasts, through their videos. Let's just understand a bit more about your sales enablement organization. Firstly, I love that coaching's the fundamental piece inside that. I think there's a gazillion pieces of research that say get coaching right and enablement becomes much easier, particularly at that mid-level um, senior leadership. T- tell us a bit more about um, the, the organization, sort of the practices and how you help them become your, the salespeople become more effective with their customers. Sure. So the way I I was mentioning um, that we are structured in terms of our enablement organization, we have what we call centers of excellence. So there's a center of excellence that focuses on what we call leadership. Leadership, so it's focused on the frontline sales leader. We have another center of excellence that's around marketing and communications. Another center of excellence that's focused on uh, content design, where we have instructional designers. Then there's another one that's focused on governance, where it helps us with compliance and to stay uh, compliant. Then we have our go-to-market teams, our regional teams, where they're focused on taking content and actually doing the training within a region, so within different regions and different business segments. So that's the overall structure. And and because of that, when when we talk about coaching, we focus on coaching for the frontline leaders. So for the most part, the individual contributors, we're having them go through what we'll call foundational training, where they're getting some of the, you know, in terms of as a new hire, you know, what we'll call global new hire training, where they're getting some of the basic skills in terms of, you know, their job. We focused on skill-based, but we want to ensure true reinforcement is being done. And that's where the leaders come in. So it's, yes, we'll do coaching but the leaders also have to become coaches themselves. The beauty of coaching is it's not all about just telling you what to do and how to do your job, but it's around empowering and helping the light bulb, so to speak, to turn on for that salesperson. So it's allowing them to fall. It's allowing them, I don't want to use the word to fail, but I'll just say to fall forward so that they are learning and they're getting their own learnings based on the guidance, based on the questions, based on the coaching, based on the observations. That's critical because otherwise you go through all this great training and they're learning about their products. They learn the soft skills. They learn you know, how to build a pipeline, how to get appointments, how to drive results, how to retain customers and all of those types of things. But without the reinforcement from their leaders and helping to draw out the best, that is critical. So the leaders, the frontline leaders in particular, play a critical role in driving results for the organization. So we do focus on the leaders and ensuring that they are equipped with coaching skills, with the ability of asking questions, with the ability of helping to get to the core root of the issues that what might be stopping or might be causing limiting beliefs within their salespeople and going beyond the surface level of, oh, your pipeline is you know this, but you know what might be causing some of those actions? What might be 
preventing them from getting the meetings or, or moving through the full pipeline um, process to close and to be able to drive the results. So the coaching for the frontline leaders, it's huge. Jeffrey's insatiable thirst for knowledge is truly admirable. Not only is he always looking for new ways to improve within his leadership role, but he also goes above and beyond to seek out new resources, obtain new certifications and set ambitious goals for himself. I absolutely love it. Um, I think we could all take a page out of Jeffrey's book, quite literally, because he definitely wrote The Inspired Career. But by making a conscious effort to take advantage of all the resources we have available at our fingertips today in the age of information, no matter your role, industry or level of seniority, it's never a waste of time to try something new that could help you expand your skill set. I'd say try starting something small by listening to a new podcast. It looks like you're already doing quite well in that department because you're listening to Ready, Set, Sell. But logging into a webinar as well is a good idea or ordering a new book to read during your downtime. I would recommend Inspired Career. There are really no downsides to strengthening your knowledge base. So cast a wide net and explore anything that piques your interest. If I think about the, the benefits that I've gained myself from setting goals, creating vision boards, or even writing down plans for the future, I think the only word I can think about is significant. So I'm very much a big believer in waking up and, and setting the tone for my day. So I'm like, I get in, I, I, you know, I put gratitude statements down in a notepad. I'll also write affirmations as well. One of the biggest differences I've had in helping me to shape how I like navigate the next five, 10, 15 years of my life is, is being really strict with my goals and really specific. So for me, it's allowed me to create more alignment with things that I say yes to. So as somebody who invests quite a lot in sharing perspectives in sales and sales enablement and how we can move the whole profession forward, I, I, there's a lot of opportunities that come my way, which is fantastic, but there's some that don't make sense. And the only way I've been able to establish that is by understanding those alignment to my goals. So because I've been very strict in deciding who I want to be in creating an impact in the space, I know that if an opportunity comes around or something's happening or I'm in a situation that comes out of the blue, it makes it easier for me to say yes or no to effectively, because I can see that actually my goal is here and my vision for where I need to get to and the impact I want to create is there. I know that these things fall in line or they don't. In, in hearing about the, the actions that, that Jeffrey took in order to kind of get focused and also recognize where some of his development areas were, I loved that and I really, really enjoyed this discussion. It's really rare that you see um, or hear about people that have had a really phenomenal or successful sales career transitioning very well into leadership. I know there's a lot of feedback saying, you know, a good salesperson doesn't make a great leader. And there's that middle ground where it's like, there's just, you just assume that they're going to do the same thing for others, but it's not always the case. What would you say is some of the reasons behind the, uh, your skills that you can highlight that has made you you know, get into President's Club for leadership and things like that? Because I'd be keen to, to share that with listeners as well. Sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll share things that helped me, I'll say, from being in sales to even make the transition to sales leadership. So in sales, you know, clearly I had to learn and it was over a period of time in terms of getting better. 
one of the things that I, I would do is constantly ask the high performers. I take them to breakfast, lunch, whatever I could do to get into their ear and understand what is it that they're doing that's so different than everyone else. And I would love to go to those who had a history or a track record consistently for at least two to three years of high performance. And I would ask them, what is it that you do? So I'm a big believer that success leaves clues. And there's no need in us just trying to figure it all out by ourselves uh, when we have a track record of others within our existing organization or similar types of business that we can go and talk to. So that's one of the things that I did. The other thing uh, that I believe that really helped me was I, I recognized that I wanted to not just you know make gold, but I wanted to come in rank number one out of all of the sales organization. And I knew that just doing the regular traditional thing wouldn't make the difference. So I chose to go after at that particular you know, time and season, what I would call the shark, um, because that meant that I had to have a big win. And I think what tends to happen is, I mean, depending on, you know, your where you are and your goal, you know, you may want to play it safe and say, okay, I'm just going to come in and I'm going to meet goal. But at that season in my life, I wanted to kill it. I wanted to rank number one. And I knew in order to do that, I got to land what I'm calling a shark. And in order to land a shark, it's risky because if, if you know, if I go for it and I miss out, I may not even make goal. But if I get it, I'm going to be way at the top. So I set out a plan of action in terms of, and it was signing a big deal. It was, it was a huge uh, opportunity as well as, you know, retaining what I had. Just went through the process and it did work out over a period of time, but it was a relentlessness. It was sharing and learning from others in terms of what worked, um, making the most out of, you know, the value proposition of what the customer had, of what we had as a company, and to really focus on things from a customer's perspective versus being all about, you know, how they say everybody's focused on what's in it for me. And I had to make that transition to what's in it for them. And all of my conversations had to be all about them. So that's what helped them to see the value because I was fully convinced and I was focused on them getting what they needed and it helped to close that deal. Now, making the transition. So, you know, you do that and it's okay, all is great. And then sure enough, because of that success, I did get promoted to lead other salespeople. And what I discovered my first year in leading other people, because I thought, oh, it's, you know, there's some natural instincts that I have, but I, I found out that I struggled and that I had a challenge because it was connecting with other people and it wasn't just telling them what I did and do the same and it'll work for you because it doesn't necessarily translate that way. So my first few years of leading people, I struggled and it was a challenge and, and people didn't do so well. And as a team, you know, I had, you know, one or two that, you know, did awesome, but I didn't want, you know, to win that way. Like, oh, I just got one who carried the whole team. The way I felt to be an effective leader is that you should have at least 80% of your team exceeding goal. And, and I will admit, you know, in sales, there's a lot of turnover and, and sales is not for everybody. I like to say it's the it's the lowest paid easy work and the highest paid hard work. In other words, you get out of it, but you get into it. So my whole thing was really trying to hire those who had that hunger, had that thirst, who wanted to kill it. Because that means they're going to be willing to receive the coaching. They're going to be willing to pivot and to make the appropriate adjustments 
to do what's necessary. But that took me some years to learn over a period of time. You know, the old question, are leaders made or born? Yeah, we're all born, but we have to be developed. We have to grow. We have to learn. And going to the classes, taking training classes and and listening. And and that's what really inspired me to want to become a coach and a trainer because I would get trained by some of the best. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to help bring out the best in others. I want to be able to leverage and, and to be take that challenge on of helping to create a fire in the belly for those in the sales organization to really that may not have it. You know, and to me, it's like I'd rather have someone with the motivation who may not have the knowledge than those with the knowledge without the motivation. Because the motivation is, you know, that to me is more challenging. If you have that, you can do what it takes to figure out, you know, then learn the product and to learn the value prop and all the things that you need. So what I've discovered is over a period of time was helping to bring out the best in others, learning what matters most to them, understanding what are their values, just getting to know them as a person. Because you know the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I love that. I'm on a similar journey. You might have seen on my LinkedIn, I've got like unlock the potential of every salesperson. I I always get into a room and when working with salespeople, I'm I'm waiting to pull the energy and I'm like, what's going on here? Like what? Like what are you doing? Like we're 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 here to to learn. We're here to to grow. And I'm like, if you you know if you want to create sustainable success success there's so much so many things that you need to do and I, I learned a lot by getting a lot wrong and I picked it up and said okay so here's all the things that you don't need to do right being able to carve that and, and help to reroute but um you were talking a little bit about unlocking people and developing them I'd love to get your perspective on why you think it's imp- um, important to to transform leaders uh, so followers into leaders and also leaders into agents of change. And I was speaking about this with a very senior leader today, actually. Sure, sure. So I, I will admit, you know, I, I did get that from Miles Monroe. So I'm a big Miles no. Monroe fan in terms of, you know, reading his books. And it, it really resonated with me. And I'll, I'll just repeat it so everyone is clear on what we're referencing. And it is around change. And, and my whole mission, it is around um, being able to help to transform followers into leaders, because I have a belief that we are all leaders. And and even as John Maxwell says, uh, leadership, our leaders is, our leadership is influence, the ability of influencing. And we all have an area of specialty. We all have a superpower, superpowers in some cases where we have areas of strength. And it's important for us to see ourselves as a leader and I think the challenge that you know many have is that they might not see themselves as a person of influence, but it, it applies to any and everyone. I don't care if you're not in the corporate world. I don't care if you're not an entrepreneur. If you are a stay-at-home mom, you have influence. If you are in high school, you have, or you know, a kid in school, or, or not just a kid, but a person in school, you have influence, and it's understanding how to leverage it to your advantage to really help others. So just as an example, so when I say turn followers into leaders and then leaders into agents of change, because the idea is that we are constantly developing and growing. And the whole idea is I I like to use the, the analogy of we're like distribution centers, you know, so, you know, you receive, so then you can give. And then as we give, you know, so each one to help one. And the idea is that agents of change 
from being a leader is that now that I have recognized my influence, my ability to make a difference, my ability to impact others, now it's time to reach out and to help others, to be a blessing to others, to recognize who I am and what I'm called to do by helping others to see who they are and what they are called to do. And is if we are all staying within our lanes, and when I say our lanes, meaning our areas of strength, our areas of gifting, that's why it is so important that we discover who we were created to be. And, you know, there's a quote that says um, the two most important times of a person's life is one, when they were born, and two, when they discover why. When you get a purpose for why you are here and you begin to understand that and to grow and develop that, that's your area of gifting. That's your area of strength. That's your superpower. Because now you're giving of yourself, of your best self to others. And that's the part that I need. As I'm, you know, here with you, Hannah, and I'm listening to, you know, even the questions and the books and, you know, the things that you're saying, I'm getting fed from you, from your gift. I clearly see, you know, you have a a unique ability to be able to communicate, to breathe life as well, to be able to drive results and help others to see, you know, what's possible before they can see. And and just, you know, it's 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 like iron sharpens iron. And as you are, you know, sharing and asking the questions, it's like I'm getting fed and I'm getting strengthened. And then it allows me to pour out and to be able to share, which is helping, you know, for those, not just those listening, but it's helping me as well. And the idea behind that is because I'm not just, oh, whatever will be, will be. It's like, no, I have a choice. I have the ability of of growing and to help others and to make a difference, to make an impact. And that's what transforms. That's what changes. That's what causes the butterfly effect. That transformation of, of going from, yes, you know, I started out, my mentality was I'm just a follower. I'm just, you know, someone who's constantly purchasing versus I can be a producer. Yes, I can be someone who is really producing and, and, you know, when you go into a grocery store, it's the produce is the live things. It's the areas of the grocery store where it's alive and, you know, they still have the water coming out and, you know, you get the fresh fruits and vegetables because it's alive. It's growing. It's not dead. And and that's the idea is that we want to be producers where we're constantly able to feed based on our gifts, based on our superpowers, based on who we were created to be. You just remind me of something. I can't remember. I put up a post on LinkedIn and it was about um, when you hit particular milestones in age. I think it was it was something like when you're in your 20s, you, you try to figure out life. When you hit 30, you figure it out. When you, you're 40, you start to live it. When you're, it's, it's just kind of gone through it. But basically, when you get to like 50 or 60, it's just like you start to enjoy it. You start to really get. And it's and we've got this. There's this perception that if you're not 25 and figured it all out. It's just wrong. And it's like, I think back to that age, I'm 35 now. And I think back to 25, like, what's going on? Like, I I don't know anything. And then the light bulb switched on when I got to about 31 and everything made sense. But I'm I'm, I'm mentioning that because we have, you know, you mentioned that I think the lowest paid, would you say the lowest paid and lowest reward? So for sales, I like to say sales is, the lowest paid easy work you can have or sales can be the highest paid hard work because you get out of it what you put into it. 
when I think about a lot of people in the early stages of their sales career, it takes a very long time. So they start to distinguish between that and, you know, people put in whatever they want. We, we, we see it, hence why there's a, you know, a cycle, a bit of a cycle there with um, attrition. But it takes salespeople a long time to, to break out of that. I'm a cog. I feel like I'm not sure if it comes with experience, wisdom, with age. But a lot of the things I think about when trying to develop my own coaching skills is how do we get salespeople to start to increase their own self-awareness as early as possible so they can reach that moment where they're breathing life into others, where they can start to recognize, you know, why they're here, right? That that second biggest moment in your life that you mentioned. Um, but like, how do you feel like sales professionals can begin to gain a better awareness of their own potential and broaden their perspective? Because for me, as I said, it hit about, I was almost 10 years into my career before I was like, that's it. <laughs> it's making sense. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I'm a big believer in living life. And when I say living life, you know, the more you go and especially as you are, but you got to have your antennas up because you're right. You could be, you know, going about, you know, like I was using the example, or I, I even like your word, you know, like a cog, just doing the route, going through the routine, going through the monotonous. But if you have your antennas up and what I mean by that is you're paying attention to key experiences, to things, you know, when things don't work, what happened? Why didn't it work? I'm a big believer in journaling, and I, I mentioned this in the book as well. Journaling allows you to be able to capture your ideas and your thoughts. And in, in many cases, so many of us, especially you know, in sales, we're constantly going from one meeting to the other. And even when we get a sale, as soon as we get that sale, we're off to the next one or off. And it's so important to pause. And you, you know the old saying where they say, um, don't just sit there, do something. Sometimes. I think it's important to not just do something, but to take time and to sit there. And what I mean by that is having that blank time to just think, to contemplate. I think it was years ago, IBM used to have the quote around the office. I interned for them years ago, and it was simply think. And they're saying that that's the hardest work is thinking. And I'm a big believer in self-awareness comes through the pause comes through reflection, comes through taking time to literally think about your situation, think about what I'm doing, think about what's working, think about what's not working. Taking out time versus when we're just constantly going nonstop, we're in there, you know, routine. I've literally, and that's a key thing. So just just for sales, um, sales listeners, have your antennas up, journal if you can, and just think about like, what are the moments that matter what are the things that created impact? What happened today? <laughs> What's happening tomorrow? Um, how did it make you feel as well? I don't feel we're very good at recognizing how things impact us from a physiological perspective as well. I, I, I love that you called out just having your antennas up. But we're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, so I'm going to throw some very rapid, quick fire questions at you that you have to answer. Funny, you answered one already, <laughs> but I'm going to bring it up again if anybody didn't hear. It should like just the first thing that comes to your head. Just you're just going to jump, jump at it and respond. OK, so what would you say is your sales philosophy in just three words? Inspire, grow and develop. Oh, I've never heard that one across the last <laughs> nine months of doing this. I love that. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've been given in your career? Be as you wish to seem. It's a quote by Socrates. Be as you wish to seem. Mm, nice. Um, what's your top productivity hack? Man, I have to think about that one. 
So <laughs> getting up early, I'm an early riser. So, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and be brief, but I'm an early riser. Like uh, just, I'll say I get, I, I may get more done than a majority of people by 8 a.m. my time. So just this morning, you know, I, I got up at four something. I was able to um, read scripture, pray, work out for an hour, walk my dog, take a shower, get dressed, respond to emails, and then start my calls at 8 a.m. All of this happened before 8 a.m. And I woke up at six and I thought I was doing big things, but I did do a workout for an hour, just about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Quiet time. While everyone, the majority mm-hmm. are asleep, you can get a lot done. You really do. Now I'm with you. What's top three apps you couldn't live without? Hmm. I like uh, YouTube because, you know, I'm listening to all of my um, videos. LinkedIn, um, because I love to be connected. LinkedIn learning. And then um, I'll say the third would be I do um, my notes where I capture my thoughts and ideas. Ah, is that Apple Notes or is there another kind it of is, notes? Is. I, I used I used to use uh, other ones, um, OneNote and others, but I, I just started the old fashioned, just the notes. Yeah, yeah. I I always say I've got about a billion dollars worth of stuff in here in my in my, in my Apple Notes every time yeah. something comes to my mind. Um, so, are leaders made or born? I like what you said earlier. <laughs> leaders are born. And then made. <laughs> I don't always say that to be funny because we're all born, you know. And then made. Yeah. Yeah. I like earlier on you said they um they're they're born and then they're developed. And I said, yeah, I like I really do like that. Yeah. So you you I mean you had you've written your own book, but is there a book in particular that has inspired you the most in your career? Yeah, a lot. Um the one that comes to mind is John Maxwell, um, only because I referenced him earlier. And there was, and I I use the phrase grow um, a lot because he has a lot of leadership books, but trying to remember the title of the one that I'm referencing now, but it was essentially uh, on growth and having a personal growth plan. And Mm -hmm. that's what really helped me to start to think about it. So I'm a big uh, fan of John Maxwell, as well as a whole lot of others, but I'll just highlight him for now. Okay. And last but not least, this is usually my Tony's um, question around movies, but sell me this pen or always be closing? (laughs) ABC. (laughs) Always be closing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, This has been so cool. I'm like, let's get another hour on a diary. Let's go. Let's go. No, this is this has been incredible. Thank you so much for sharing so many coaching gems and I'm and sure. so many idioms about certain things that you, you know and quotes. This is going to be this is going to be amazing. I think the listeners are going to love this. I appreciate the opportunity. I enjoyed it as well and learned a lot from you, Hannah. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you. That was a really inspiring conversation with Jeffrey. Uh, he's completely in the same headspaces as me with regards to personal growth and development. So I really enjoyed that. But I hope you'll be walking away from this episode with a renewed sense of motivation and positivity, because I know I will be. But so many of Jeffrey's comments stood out to me as particularly helpful and inspiring. For one, I absolutely loved what he said about all of us being leaders and all of us possessing our own unique superpowers. I think that's really important for us to remember but especially those who are just starting out on their career path and may not have quite found their groove yet. And finally, Jeffrey really underscored the importance of taking the time to contemplate, reflect, 
and analyze your experiences. Journaling is a great way to organize your thoughts on paper and determine what steps you need to take to improve. So taking just five or 10 minutes in the morning or at night to do this can go a really long way. A big thing that comes with enablement is actually building from a place of empathy. And I think when you take the position of a sales coach or as a, as a leader, one of the things that we can constantly try to invest in is our ability to demonstrate empathy, not in just our one-to-one interactions with salespeople, but also the materials and the things that we're building to help enable them. And I say that because we sometimes make things, particularly in sales, to be black and white. Let's give an example. You hit quota or you didn't. The, the assumption that comes with that is you hit quota, you feel great. You don't hit quota, you feel bad. And, and we always try to create that and dichotomy between it being just as clear cut as black and white. But that's not always the case. If we really are showing true empathy, which is you know, putting ourselves in someone else's shoes, but more specifically sharing the feelings and emotions that we believe that they're experiencing or going through, we will be able to look at that and see some of the gray area and be able to I guess, modify our approach to how we're interacting with someone or building something to support them. So as an example, I've been in a position where I haven't hit quota during my career. I think all of us have. And um, it wasn't just a case of I didn't hit quota, I feel bad. It was looking at, okay, so what did I have? What resources did I have? What's happening in the market right now? Uh, what's the competitive landscape and what? how did that impact me and the conversations that I'm having? Uh, what was happening in my life at that time? Right. And, you know, there's been a lot of things that have that have happened in my personal life that has actually driven my actions at work. And maybe I hadn't found the best ways of managing that. And sometimes we detach who individuals are and forget that and and see it as black and white. as They just didn't hit quota and, 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 and they should feel bad and we're bad and we're angry because they haven't didn't hit quota. So I think by um by getting closer to understanding that the individuals that we're working with are full humans and they are fully capable of achieving great things, we we get a bit closer to what's driving them. We tend to create the best results for ourselves when we have a desire to do so. So if we're if we're um, spending more time as sales coaches and sales leaders on what is actually, what do our people desire? What's the deep intrinsic motivation that if they received not one dollar, they'd still go out and feel fulfilled in doing something. What is that? The better we get at identifying that, the better we are at showing empathy and hopefully driving the results that we're hoping to see. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Sell. We hope you took away some valuable lessons and insights that inspire you to reevaluate your approach to sales readiness. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show when you get a minute. And stay tuned for the next episode of Ready, Set, Sell.